your primary objective on the website needs to be confirmation, not conversion. Which shocks people when I say that, but conversion is still very important, but it is not the primary objective. Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, James. James, thank you so much for being here with us today. Michelle, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Awesome. So give everybody the 5,000-foot view of who you are and what you love to do. Well, I'm James, and I have a longtime passion um, for helping business people be successful using marketing and advertising. Nice. So how did you get into marketing and advertising as a, as a thing? Well, that's an interesting story and somewhat colorful. How much time do you have? <laughs> as much time as you're entertaining. <laughs> well, um, I, I graduated from college with a Bachelor of Music. And most corporations are not knocking your door down when you have a Bachelor of Music. What? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's shocking. And I'd been very involved in the entertainment scene on campus. And I parlayed that into a six-year career touring and road managing with rock and roll bands fun many bands that you would recognize like uh i did a lot of work with a band called rush i know I. Oh, awesome yeah. and it was actually conversations with the lead singer in rush that opened my mind to the potentials of business and marketing mm-hmm. Eddie Lee was a very smart young man, and they were one of the very first bands to vertically integrate. And he talked to me about that and why they were doing it and what it meant, and and it just opened my mind, and it got me thinking about things and then paying attention. And I got to, you know, six years in, and I was doing a large show in um, outside of Los Angeles in San Bernardino. It was called the Us Festival. It was a six-month-long job. It was living in the desert. It was it was tough. And that's when I decided that I needed to get a real job. And since the marketing and advertising side of things was the most interesting to me, and I felt I had the skills to do it, at least the mindset to do it, um, I went about getting myself a job as an entry-level junior account executive at 30 years old in an advertising agency in Toronto. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. That's awesome. And so that that's yep. how I got started. <laughs> that's awesome. Sorry. So now when you're working with people, what does that look like? Well, uh, about 10 years ago, I was looking at what what's what was going to be my next step. And uh, I'd been president of an ad agency in San Francisco and I'd run large accounts. My assignment at the time was the digital budget with uh, for a, a car brand called Toyota. And it was, you know, I had a lot of experience, but I really wasn't able to focus in on anything in particular. And I observed that most, the website is possibly the most important digital asset that a business owns. And I selected my words carefully. And most of them are terrible. 
And so taking my experience in marketing and marketing strategy and communication and understanding how to make effective communication and applying that to the website world seemed like a, a good thing. And I had an opportunity to buy a vendor. So that's how I ended up with Red 8 Interactive, which specializes in building large custom websites for corporations. Nice. Now, I love it. Yeah. So yeah, let's so, talk to me about the the difference in, because you say a lot of websites are terrible and specializing in large corporate sites. So there's two avenues there that I want to uh, foray into and you can pick either one <laughs> first. Yep. Um, because I think there's a lot there to be able to unravel and to be able to highlight for people that they don't necessarily understand. Well, and a lot of these principles apply regardless of the size of the website or the size of the business. Um, the, most, the most common flaw that I see in websites is they are what I call inside out. They're all feature-centered, attribute-centered, talking about themselves. Right. Right? And to be effective, the website needs to recognize that it's there to support the customer's journey and to build trust with the customer. So it doesn't need to, it needs to lead with statements around the customer's problem so that the person who's visiting the website or any page in the website, because these same principles apply to every single page in the website, will instantly recognize, okay, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. That's the problem that I have. Well, I think that's one of the big things that a lot of people don't realize in digital marketing differs from what I'm going to call analog marketing in that analog marketing or your traditional, here's my storefront, here's my flyer, here's my whatever is, hey, this is what I do. This is what I am. Come check me out. As opposed to online, it has to be about the the participant if you will or the prospect and what they're looking for and understanding that they're not looking for entertainment necessarily they're looking to solve a problem a particular problem even if the answer is entertaining right exactly and and it needs from the user's point of view a website is a utility Oftentimes, from the company's point of view, I hear conversations around branding and, and image and all these, you know, warm things. And, and they have a role. But their role in the context of the website should be to support what the brand is trying to communicate to the prospective user. Because you know, I've done a lot of work in loyalty in my past, built loyalty programs, large loyalty programs for large corporations. And I was in a meeting and a researcher who was doing some research work into the why the customers weren't loyal. Um, and this guy specialized in this kind of work. He, as in his, in his preamble, he said something that was profound in my mind and that stuck with me. He said, 90% of loyalty problems can be traced to a flawed sales process. And this is the, hi, my name is, and then going directly from there to your place or mine. <laughs> right. right? 
it, it didn't yeah. work when I was a lot younger. It might work in the movies, but it didn't work when I was a lot younger and it doesn't work in marketing. Absolutely not. Well, and I find it fascinating to have a career in something that doesn't work. It's okay. I want to know what does work. I don't want to pay you for knowing what doesn't work. I want to know what the, those 10% is, or even the 1% nugget is, because if you can change 1% of what you do, oftentimes that is the, um, the foray into everything all of a sudden working. It's like you've plugged the dam with that 1% and all of a sudden, poof, it works. <laughs> You're like, right. yay. And, and this process you know, draws in the right customers for the right reasons. Mm. And that makes these customers, what you ultimately, what you want your goal to be, regardless whether you're a large business or a small business, is by the time the customer gets to the decision point, they've convinced themselves that this is the right thing to do. It's not so much a sell, it's the next logical step. And that there's only one next logical step. Exactly. Because <laughs> exactly. yes, I, I see a lot of, the other mistake I see a lot of businesses making is they think, oh, well, some of our clients do this and some do that and some do this. So we're going to open up this filter and they can self-recognize. And it's like, no, they're not going to do that. No, <laughs> they're, they're not. They're not going to do that. You they're have not. to figure out a way to make that happen within the process, or it's just, it's not going to happen. They're not going to do it themselves. So I know that you've got... Um, a brilliant way of looking at websites and the functionality of it, because a lot of people also go, does your website function? It's like, oh yeah, my pictures load. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, yeah. that's not a functional website. Well, <laughs> I mean, it, it is. <laughs> it is, but it, how fast do they load? Yeah, um, let's take it another So step. the simple reality, you may have heard the, the story about the goldfish has an attention span of nine seconds. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not true. It's a myth, but regardless, <laughs> if you're a three. <laughs> If you're a business owner, you should be so lucky. Mm -hmm. The simple truth is you have six seconds or less to engage a visitor who arrives at your website. And wow, we're worse than goldfish. That's what I got out of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big time. And, and most visitors who come to the website, unless you're a large corporation where you're getting seven figures in organic traffic every month, and the vast majority of businesses that's not them. Mm -hmm. Your primary objective on the website needs to be confirmation, not conversion. Which shocks people when I say that, but conversion is still very important, but it is not the primary objective. The primary objective is to confirm with your audience that they're in the right place and that you understand their problem. And then you want to give them a pathway because every audience has sub-segments. And that's what you were talking about before, about my, some of my customers are like this, and some of my customers are like this, and some of my customers are this other way. And that's okay. Just once you've engaged them with a large benefit-oriented headline, make those pathways clear so that they can, don't make them go through a lot of work over it, but make the pathway very clear. So yeah, that's, that's, that's me. That's what I need to understand. And they'll click on that call to action in that pathway. They'll go to another page. The same principles that we're about to talk about apply at the next page as well, but there's a distinction. The 
user has given you two big messages. First of all, they've told you who they are. And second of all, by virtue of picking that pathway, they have given you permission to give them more information. Nice. So let's delve into the, the process that you take people through for their client's journey. Right. That makes sense. So there, there are six ways to convince a website's visitor to stay in six seconds or less. The first, the first point. <laughs> that, was my, that was my little freak out that you saw there. It's like, oh, oh time to make notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I, I have an infographic I can say. Okay, I'm ready. I'm, I'm okay. Good. So first thing is the six seconds doesn't start once the page loads. The six seconds starts when they ask for the page. And a modern website, the homepage should load in a second or less. Because you don't want to be using up your time. This is also the first trust experience. Somebody asks for the page, they get the page right away. It's not a conscious thing, but it leaves a positive impression. Mm -hmm. That's the first trust experience. The next thing you want to do is reassure them that they're in the right place. People are nervous about being online. You, What you don't want is if all of your social media is pink, don't make your website blue. You want your branding to be very clear. Your logo needs to leave a, an immediate impression. And watch out for What's how did people find you? If they're there on a referral, then you want them, you don't want big, fancy, hard to understand logos. You want a logo that acknowledges. I see this frequently, particularly with coaches. They'll they're re, they have a reputation, but the reputation is associated with their name. And then people arrive at their website and the name's not to be found anywhere. Because somebody has told them at some point, you need a brand, you need a logo. And so they've got this big old logo up there and people are like, huh, is this where I want to be? You don't want them thinking about that. You want them to instantly recognize I'm in the right place so they can move on to the next thing. So colors, fonts, branding, all these things need to line up with the consumer expectations. The next thing, the next way is give them a benefit-oriented reason to stay. We've talked about this a bit already, and that's lead with their problem. Suggest a potential solution. Provide reasons to believe. And this is where you can talk about yourself a little bit. And this, this, again, you don't want them spending a lot of time on this. You want the, this to be a checkbox almost. And it, it can be as simple as I, I do some um, work with a, a high-end business coach who, who works with C-suites. And his website has a big old benefit statement up in the hero. And then immediately under the hero section are five highly recognized branding, brand icons center of which is Apple. And as soon as somebody gets to this website and they see those are the people that he works with, his you know, reason to believe, check. 
then you want to make the call to action clear. And this is the pathway idea that I was talking about. Sometimes it's just a very simple call to action, you know, book, book a call. But rarely does that work. There's almost always sub-segments within your audience. I'm um, coaching a, a professional speaker, and she's very good at what she does. And But when we got into it and we started digging into her audience, she really has three audiences. It's all connected with being a professional speaker. She has one audience who are event organizers who book her for a paid keynote. She has another audience, which is HR directors, who book her to come into their organization to teach their executives how to be better communicators. And she has a third audience, which is senior executives in corporations who've suddenly found themselves on stages and they don't really know how to speak properly. It's all about public speaking. It's all very comfortably within her skill set. But you can see those three subsegments have very different needs. You can't hope to communicate all of that on the homepage. But if you make the pathway clear, they click in, then they're giving you permission to give them more information. Okay, the next thing is, and this is another trust event, you want to make the content on the page easy to consume. Lots of visuals that support the copy. Line lengths are short. Paragraphs are short. You know, the great American novel, no thank you. Right? You, you're, it's all about reinforcing reasons to believe and trust. You know, five-star ratings are great. Testimonials are great. Let's talk about testimonials for a second. Testimonials are very powerful. Video testimonials are even more powerful. But don't put too many on the stage. It's not a quantity game. People don't, won't take the time. I go to a page and I see eight, nine, ten testimonials in a carousel slider on a homepage. It, it's a waste. And I'll tell you why it's a waste. Because testimonials are so powerful, you should be using them throughout the website. Cherry pick the testimonials and use the best testimonials. For example, if you've got a landing page that's focused on event organizers, you're going to want testimonials from event organizers on that page. I, I you, you nod your head. It's like, well, duh. <laughs> but, the whole time I'm going, yep, yep, you're preaching the choir. Keep going because people need to hear this. And I think at some point, like I can have a conversation with you about it, but I really think that people are listening, loving the nuggets and going, yeah, I, I want more of this. So I'm going to let you keep going because this is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And, and and the thing is, I'm hoping that people nod their head and go, well, this is a lot of real good common sense. And yet I literally review hundreds and hundreds of websites and I rarely see this done properly. And there's a lot of common sense involved in that. And there's a lot of, I think, fear involved too. Like you mentioned, having your five-star ratings and your um, the recognizable logos as testimonials 
And, you know, the majority of people just, they don't work with the big names. They don't have the big name test. Well, and that's fine. They do, but we'll talk about that later because I'm thinking we'll get into that because as long as you can hone in somebody's attention and just continually funneling it going, yes, I want more. I want more. (laughs) You're doing a great job. Exactly. And you, and I just gave a shopping list of things you can choose from. I wouldn't recommend all of them be shoved onto the homepage. And that's my point about testimonials. Break them up, cut them up, use them strategically all over the website to support the main message of individual pages. Because that need to, am I in the right place, give me a benefit-oriented reason to stay, make it very clear what I should do next, give me a reason to believe you, and then make the content easy to consume, these factors affect every single page in the website. Absolutely. I mean, and it's no different for, say, somebody sells a variety of different car types. Maybe it's used cars, right? And if somebody's looking on the Lincoln page and all the testimonials are about Toyotas, I mean, that's awesome, but it also yeah. kind of begs the question, do they actually sell Lincolns? Like, what's going on? Yeah. Whereas if you have them, put them on the right page. And, that's right. and the same becomes evident in, in whatever practice you have. Right. And, and the, the eye-catching visuals and and the proper use of hierarchy on the page. I mean, these H tags that you probably have heard about relative to SEO um, and, you know, people roll their eyes and it's, you know, it's important stuff. And if you don't know what a H tag is, people, it's your headers. <laughs> so you have a yeah. header one, two, three, four, five, all the way down. H1 is the big one. It's what your page is about and it needs to be clear. And it because the Google, the search bots use those H tags to understand how the page is organized. People use those headers to understand how the page is organized. It, it's the, the same objective. And you want to make that because 78, 79, 80% of people will scan the page. They won't actually read all the content. What? So you, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> all that you, coffee, but that much energy into you spent so many weeks postponing because you didn't want to write it. They're not reading it anyway. <laughs> that's basically correct. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where the headers and, and bite-sized chunks of copy use bold, you know, highlight words, keywords that you think your audience is going to use to trigger them to, oh, I need to read this paragraph. You know, these, 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 that kind of thought is much more important than what the actual words are. But the actual words also need to be considered. Your goal with almost all copy on the website is to draw people to the next step. So you want the copy to be engaging, interesting, entertaining, and inviting. vomiting out facts about your product and service not going to get you where you need to be well i think this is where a good copywriter comes in is because a lot of us get so stuck on the actuality of what we're doing and what we're doing is so good and important and wonderful and we forget how it is impacting other people and a good copywriter will, one, come from the outside world, not yes. know all your jargon and all your, the, the, the grandioseness of what you do. And that's actually a fantastic benefit because they still have one foot on the platform and one foot on the train and they know both sides of the conversation. 
Right. And, and they're, they understand how to craft the copy so that it supports the consumer's journey. And so that they're, it's drawing people in, it's building, by virtue of doing this, it's building trust. It's building confidence in the consumer that they are making the right choice. <clears throat> it's also communicating, you know, at the end of the day, people buy people. Mm -hmm. And if your website reads like it was produced by a computer, that, that's not going to work very well. If your re website reads with some personality and some joy and some fun and some, there people are going to go. And regardless, this is work for B two B products as well. Is you 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 need to understand who it is you're talking to. With B two B stuff, for example, <clears throat> we have a, we spend a lot of time talking to B two B clients about okay, who's the decision maker, and who's the gatekeeper. Because what we need to do is draw the gatekeepers into the right content so that they can copy a link, give it to their boss, read this, and you'll understand why I'm recommending these people. And that that understanding those the dichotomy and that and the and the duality of that audience, you know, that's really important, particularly with B2B sites. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's important to realize that there are people reading it because unlike sales, where you kind of sort of want to get around the gatekeeper in the digital world, you have to entice the gatekeeper. Mm -hmm. They have to know that you have their back and that if they recommend you to their boss, that they're not going to get fired for being incompetent. And, right. you know, they're there's a whole to... lot more emotional attachment there, potentially even then there would be for the buyer to go, yeah, that's what I want. Right. And and the boss, by virtue of being the boss and an executive level person, they tend to be headlines. They tend to be, they understand how to make decisions. They're not afraid to make a decision. So make it easy for them to make a decision mm -hmm. and recognize who's consuming the content and you know why they're consuming the content. And yep. that in all, you know, in all likelihood, the boss is going to get to that page directly. So again, am I in the right place? Give me a benefit-oriented reason to stay. Give me good, solid reasons why I should believe you. I mean, those all those same factors apply. How you execute them might be di distinctly different depending on the audience, but the concepts still apply. Nice. So when you go in and work with somebody, what does that look like? Are you going in and just analyzing their site? What do you do with them? It's a great question. Oddly enough, we spend more time not talking about the website than we spend talking about the website. Because the first thing I'll ask them is, do you have a customer avatar? And I'll get, yes, I do. Or I'll get, what's that? Okay, if they say, yes, I do, I'll say, okay, can I see it? Oh, huh, I wonder where it is. And off they go to find it. And then when I see it, it's almost always terrible. And so we'll spend a lot of time focusing in on who is your best customer. And, and that's an important distinction because the word best is key. In any category, 
80% of sales are being generated by 20% of customers. And understanding the differences between those best customers and just the, the large number of people who are sitting in the middle of the bell curve is very important to communication and to messaging and to, because if you've got your customer base has a disproportionate share of best customers compared to your competitors, you may have exactly the same market share and be generating twice the revenue. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so let me ask you this. What are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be thinking at home going, oh my God, James, I need you so badly. Well, I mean, I'd be happy to meet with them. I'll be happy what to- What are some of the stumbling blocks that they have? Oh, the stumbling blocks. It's usually uh, uh, this concept of outside in. As simple as it is to explain, it's very hard to get your head around. You know, being able to reshift your language on the website from- talking about yourself to communicating the customer's problem. That, that's a pretty important shift. And that's where a professional copywriter can help, but you can also do it yourself if you're really honest with yourself. Talk, talk to your customers, listen to what they're saying, use their words on the website. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to use my customer's words on the website. <laughs> I have some pretty awesome customers, <laughs> but I don't know if I want to use their words on my website. <laughs> well, the sentiment anyway. There you go. <laughs> so, and you know, that they will give you, they'll be happy to tell you what they're looking for mm -hmm. and just echo that. So that's a key stumbling block that people, another key stumbling block is images. You know, picking the right images is, is, not easy, particularly if, if you've got the budget to afford a photo shoot, that's great. But be sure you hire the right photographer. Because a lot of photographers that you'll hire, even professional photographers, they're not accustomed to doing commercial photography. They can make take a wedding photo like nobody's business. They can take a beautiful picture but they don't tend to frame and compose the pictures with the recognition that in all likelihood, this picture is going to be used with content on top of it. So they're not framing the picture for negative space. When you're doing images, photography, if you can afford the to do photography, don't have the model looking out. Really? Yep. And as soon as I tell you this, you'll start seeing this on e-commerce sites. They'll what they do in e-commerce sites is they have the model looking down, looking over. And what the model is doing is the model is looking at where the copy is going to be, where the call to action is, because you don't want the person looking at the model, which is what happens when they're looking straight out at you. You want them looking, but what are they looking at? Now, nobody consciously thinks that, but that's what happens. And now I still think it's funny that that's one of the one of the main points that I learned from um, volunteering to do a yearbook in high school. <laughs> we were getting like the the brief outline on this is how you set up a yearbook, 
And that was one of the biggest things was people aren't looking at the faces. They're looking at what the faces are looking at. Right. And, 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 and it made so much of a difference. We had one of the best yearbooks ever and nobody really knew why. And it was like, because yeah. it's, because it's fascinating. It's not right. just looking at a bunch of pictures and going, Hey, I know that person. It's, right. it's the stories that it unfolded in the telling of that book exactly. and the same principles hold through and, I just think it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's completely, you've nailed it. That's exactly right. And yet it's hard to find those photos, mm. particularly stock photos, because the, the photographers who, who are selling photos in stock houses are composing and framing the photos to make the photo attractive so that they can sell the photo. Mm. They're not composing and framing the photo to make the photo useful for what ultimately it's going to be used for. And that makes it, that's why stock photography tends to look cheesy. And, you know, it's just, it's hard to make it work. But yep, that, and it's that, all of this knowledge packed into one that you start to go, oh, that's the difference between those. So, oh, I get it now. Awesome. Right. Awesome. James. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How did they start their journey with you? Well, a good way to stop start would be to have <laughs> no, me, no, don't stop, start. No, good way to start <laughs> would be to have me do an audit of your website. Thanks. And to do that, go to sixsecondsorless.com. Sixsecondsorless.com. And you'll be able to book some time on my calendar. We will look at your website, you know on your big boy pants because it'll be a grown-up conversation but i guarantee you that i will give you a bunch of things that you can do to make some simple changes to the website that will have a meaningful impact on how effective your website is with the traffic that's getting there and remember most of the traffic that's getting there is getting there by referral they're looking for confirmation that you can solve their problem Nice. I love that. Um, you didn't happen to go to our website, did you? Um, maybe. Because <laughs> if I you went to our website, that would be super fun. We can do that online if you want. I see lots and lots of websites, so I'd probably... <laughs> yeah, well, what? And we've changed it. I think we change our website every two months. So it's, yeah. whether or not you've seen it in the last little while or when this podcast goes live if it's going to be the same or different guaranteed after i talk to you about what's going on it will be different so they won't see the same thing anyway well there you go and and actually this happens frequently i'll be talking to podcasters about this next thing you know i'm getting an email can we do the six seconds or less thing with my website (laughs) right (laughs) why wouldn't you i mean it just doesn't make sense why wouldn't you that's awesome so peeps go to uh in six, six seconds or less, you know that's hard for me to say, six seconds or less.com. And yep. uh, of course, we'll have that in the show notes and everywhere where you're watching this or, or viewing it. And all of those, all of James' links will be in the show notes for you. That is Great. awesome. Excellent. So James, I have to ask you, at what point in life did you know that you're a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? I've been an entrepreneur since I was 12 years old. Awesome. What'd you do? I, I, I convinced my father to buy buy a riding lawnmower and I started cutting the neighbor's grass for $5 a yard. A riding mower for $5? <laughs> oh 
No, no. I, nice. The riding mower cost well, God knows how much at the right? time. I mean, I had no concept they of whatsoever of what things cost. <laughs> That's awesome. But, but I was, I was, all I knew is I was, I didn't have to pay for the mower and I, people were giving me money to mow their lawn. So. Nice. And you must've lived in quite the neighborhood that um, a riding mower was oh, yeah, the most, most effective most, way to do it. Most of the properties were an acre or more. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. That's brilliant. Yeah. And, and kudos to dad for encouraging that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, when I think back on it, exactly right. And that's really, I've always had a kind of, even when I worked in corporate situations, I always looked at things from angles that other people didn't. And that led to all kinds of innovations and, and, and breakthroughs that wouldn't normally have happened. I also credit my music background for some of that. You know, the ability to think both linearly and laterally um, is, that's a rare thing. Right. And, and that is inherent in music. You've got to be able to read the notes on the page, which are very rational and linear, but you have to interpret them laterally in order to make music. Otherwise, it's just sound. And so that balancing act is something that I, I've always had. I love it. Well, and in business, we all have the follies and the mistakes that we made. Do you have any that are particularly funny that you can recall? Oh, yes. I was making a speech. I, at one point in my career, I got picked, pegged to support Pillsbury in Latin America. And they, we were launching Green Giant canned vegetables. And I was making a speech in Chile to a room full of Chilean business executives. All Chile is like the Switzerland of of South America. They're all very stuffy and lots of three-piece suits and that sort of thing. And I'm up there trying to make this speech in my bad Spanish. And I'd heard a word in Venezuela, which is where I was living at the time, that seemed to be a synonym for problem. And I asked one of the bilingual secretaries, you know, what does this word mean? Does it mean problem? It seems to mean problem. Oh, yes, we use it to mean problem. Okay. So I thought I'd show off my Spanish in this little speech I was doing. And I was going to, I was talking about this large strategic problem that we had. So I used this synonym and I said, what we really, really had here was a large strategic fart. <laughs> <laughs> and the room broke up. They couldn't stop laughing. Five minutes, they just carried on and carried. And I'm like, what, what, what did I say? <laughs> Finally, somebody came up and said two things to me. First of all, they explained to me what I had said. And I'm like, oh, my God. Next thing they said, we all speak English. Why don't you just carry on in English? <laughs> awesome. Oh, my God. That's a good one. James, you have been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Any last words for our peeps? Um, I guess the last thing I like to leave with people, there's so many choices out there, but for God's sakes, don't boil the ocean. Pick a few things, do them well. And then once you've got it down, once you're doing them well, figure out how to do them better. You know, the classic water the flowers, prune the weeds. 
you know, don't try to do too many things. I love it. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure, Michelle. Peeps, thank you for being here with us today. We love helping you to grow and scale your business. So if you're looking for a specific topic that you'd like me to discuss, reach out to me at michelle at awarenessstrategies.com or just share this with your friends and subscribe to the show. I love that too. And we love five-star ratings. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business. As such, the notes for this show can be found at our website at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, I like five stars personally, and share with your friends.